Welcome back in the Morning Drive, ESPN 102.5 The Game. Good to have you in here on a Wednesday as we kick off hour number two. Derek Mason, head coach at Vanderbilt, coming up at 7.30 this morning. Last night, Predators with a 5-2 victory over the Sharks as they improved to 2-1 on the season. Capitals up next on Thursday night uh, and quickly as well. as you know We talked about the loss on Saturday to Detroit and how Detroit has had a ton of success over the last 10-11 games against the Predators. The flip can be said about last night. The Predators now 10-1-1 in their last 12 at Bridgestone against the Sharks. Dominating victory. Yeah, high-quality performance last mm-hmm. night. Kyle Turris gets on the board. Roman Yossi, a couple of goals there. Uh, Dutchie with another apple. Um, I don't think that's ever going to get old. I don't know. If, it, is it, if it's old with Preds fans, just let us know. But I, I think we find it funny, so mm-hmm. as long as we think it's funny, we'll still we'll still do it, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, no, uh, Pekka was great. Derek, you talked about Pekka in the first hour. Um, you know, Roman Yossi probably deserves a contract extension. So I, I don't give that's that one man of the, his money now. One, I know you should take more away from a game three of eighty two, right? Power play did well. You know the second line or first line, whatever you want to call it, looks just as good as it has all season so far. A lot of good positive things. Dante Fabro gets on the board. Um, just a really good solid performance last night from the Preds. But the, the thing I took away the most was get get, get fifty nine signed to a contract extension because the more he plays, the more that dollar figure could go up. All right, so we were discussing to wrap up the first hour of the show the differences between Mike Vrabel and Frank Wright comparing the head coaches of the Titans and the Colts. Uh, and also we're going to get to something that Dimes you think could come to fruition really soon this year as well. But let's get a call here. Tony wants to chime in on the Vrabel versus Frank Wright discussion. And the number is 737-1025 if you want to jump in. Tony, you're next on Morning Drive. Good morning, gentlemen. I uh, just wanted to uh, chime in. I admittedly am a little biased. I big Maryland Terrapin fan, and I remember watching Frank Wright come back from four touchdowns against the uh, Miami Hurricanes back in their heyday. But uh, I think one advantage Frank Wright has is that he spent a good amount of time on the sideline with one of the, what I consider one of the best coaches of all time with Marv Levy, you know, and he got to watch what, uh, you know, what a great Hall of Fame caliber coach does and learn from him, where Vrabel, you know, he was under... uh, Belichick, it was great, but more of as a player, more not as much on the sideline observing what you know what went on, that sort of thing. But that's just my take. So, so your opinion is, is that because Frank Reich didn't play football, that he learned more from his coach while playing for his coach? I, I'm not buying that. No, I, I think his time coaching under Doug Peterson. Yeah, I think that's is, what really yeah. is a is a big plus. I think for it's Frank a combination Reich. of all that. You know, backing up Jim Kelly for so long, um, watching how that how, watching a Hall of Fame quarterback go about his business, coaching, I mean, playing under a Hall of Fame coach in Mar Levy, then going to Philadelphia and being with Doug Peterson. And, you know, his. we know Doug Peterson knows offenses and put together just about anything. That worked well in, in, in Frank Wright's um, favor. He took all of that, and now he's able to do it there in Indianapolis. It doesn't, it doesn't hurt when you have – you and your GM are on the same wavelength, and it's like, okay, let's build, let's build our offense first. Let's build our offensive line because a lot of people laugh. Why are they drafting in, a guard so high? You don't out. draft yeah. a guard that high. Well, that guard is potentially uh, he's he's trending toward being a Hall of Fame type of guard right. in the National Football League. So they did what was best for their team, 
and for for one person, their quarterback. How do we keep our quarterback upright? Well, we're going to draft an interior. Yeah. We're going to draft our line first. That's what Dallas did, and that's what Indianapolis did. And that's what the Tennessee Titans need to start doing, what they think they thought they had did it when right. they drafted, um, when, when Malarkey got here. Well, not Malarkey, but uh, Munchak. And they drafted uh, Taylor DeWine, then they drafted Jack Conklin, and then they drafted a kid out of Alabama, um, Chance Warmack. They were build. They were trying to build their team from the inside out. Yeah, and and Nate Davis yeah, third round this year. Exactly, I mean, and it just hadn't big, worked big out the way Saffold. they thought it would work out. Yeah, and, and listen, if you're going to give Frank Reich credit for being a coach in 2019 for what he did playing for a guy like 30 years ago, then you have to give Vrabel credit for talking with Coach Belichick every day on the practice <laughs> field for a decade. I'm sorry, like if you give one guy credit, you have to give the other guy. He was coached by Bill Belichick every day for whatever 10 years 11 years so I, I think that you give credit to both of them um I, I think certainly what's 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 interesting is backup quarterbacks always make the best coaches it feels oh, like yeah. like it's just they're all these guys and I don't know if it's I don't think it's a playing time thing I think it's just a lot of times you stick around as a backup because you're just smart enough and you know the game and you understand where to go with the football and you know in a backup situation you can be put in there and maybe not screw up the game for your team and that that's just sort of that, that's what I like about Vrabel is sort of you know, not a high level draft pick, not an elite level talent that he had to work his way into being what he was as a player. That that's sort of the thing that I like about his background. I, I just don't I don't know, you look at these two coaches and I still think there's a long way to go before we know if they're great or not. I think Frank Reich is proving that he's he's doing a really good job right now and He's oh, trending. Oh, oh, by the way, they, they stumbled into it, right? They didn't want him. Yeah. It was he wasn't the guy they wanted. They wanted Josh McDaniels. Frankly, they wanted Mike Vrabel. Um, so it, it'll be interesting to see what, what happens. But Frank Reich so far this year has done a great job. Now, there's a lot of teams that start 3-2 and two that finish 7-9. and nine. So let's just see how everything plays out for all these teams. Well, he started, what, 0-4, 1-5 last year. Yeah. And ended up making the playoffs. So mm-hmm. he did a hell of a job at getting that yeah. team back on course. I mean, it, it, it helps when you have Andrew Luck. But still, he, yeah. he found a way to get that team back on track. You're also part of the reason they were 1-5, too. You get you yeah. got you got to take every win and every loss. I think he figured it. I think what happened is because they could have easily been two and four with that game in yes, Houston. Easy. They decided yeah. to go for it. I think he so used, strange. I think he used analytics to the extreme on that yeah. one. <laughs> um, Probably right. But hey, Tomlin did the whole take the ball or take the defense in overtime. Yeah, it was analytics and probably, it, and it worked because yeah. they 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 got a stop and got the ball back. Now they didn't win, but like. That's one of those weird decisions where you're like, why'd you do that? And then it actually looked like it worked. But he has gotten, with this team, he has figured out how to coach his team. I think that first five or six games last year, he was still trying to figure it out. I think he figured out how to coach that football team. NFL fans, don't miss Nashville's best NFL pregame show. You can start your morning off with the kickoff show from 10 to 1, followed by the pregame show featuring Jared Stillman, Floyd Reese, and Chris Sanders. Live from the George Jones, downtown on 2nd Avenue, this Sunday from 1 to 3 before the Broncos game. The NFL pregame show brought to you by Wholesale Inc., powered by RumbleOn.com, Kubota Tractors, your Middle Tennessee Kubota dealers, and Boomba's Craft Pizza and Tap House. Dimes, you had a thought about the future of some of the incumbents on this team with the Titans. We'll get to that next. Coming up here on the Morning Drive on ESPN 1025 The Game. 714 rolling on live here, Wednesday edition of Morning Drive. Nick Braden, D. Mace, Marquise with you. Derek Mason of Vanderbilt coming up at the bottom of the hour. But right now, Derek Mason of Morning Drive. 
you have some interesting thoughts regarding the future of one, maybe two players here in Nashville with the Titans that you know could be coming to a close. Yeah, and 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 when I say this, it's not that I think you know these players are are bad players because I don't. Um, but I know how this league works. Um, played in it long enough, seen enough that I know how it works. Um, and in 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 a lot sometimes it doesn't matter it's not about your play uh, necessarily it's a lot of other factors that go into it and the two guys and I mentioned it I think yesterday and the two guys that I'm talking about is Jarrell Casey and 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 uh, Delaney Walker now I haven't heard anything I'm not saying that no one's giving me the inside information or anything else and again I like both guys I think both guys are are what you want on your organization I've, I've said it I think you know, on offense, I think the only dog they have is Delaney Walker. That's the guy that I can count on day in and day out to go out there and, and get the job done. Um, and then Jarrell Casey has just been that staple one in the middle. Um, but they have better players surrounding him on defense than I think Delaney does on offense. Um, but it can get there. They, they can have some good players on offense. I think the two receivers are trending upward, and the quarterback is still, I don't know. Um, but the way the NFL works is, um, you know, you get to a certain point and you got to make a decision. This franchise, um, they're going to have to make a decision on a few guys. Um, and I know Delaney and, and Jarrell, you know, got extensions on that contract, but that extension is, a, is worth about the piece of paper they signed their name on nothing, um, because they can cut you, uh, after giving you that extension, it happened to me. They gave me a two-year extension in Baltimore, and then the next year, because what? you know they had to move no. on. Yeah, they, and if they the players up, get cut before the end of their exactly, contract, they cut me, and and they wanted to go younger, and they did. Um, you know, they they, they drafted a guy, uh, a receiver that turned out to be a, a pretty good receiver. Um, you know, and and they just wanted to go younger, and and I get it, and I understood that. Um, and, and Torrey Smith, they drafted Torrey Smith out of Maryland. Um, and he turned out to be a good player. But I think the Tennessee Titans are kind of taking that, that, that approach too. They draft Johnny Smith a few years ago. They draft Jeffrey Simmons this past summer. Um, they drafted those two guys because they want them to be the heir apparent to the guys that they have now. Uh, Delaney's going to make it hard for you uh, because he's going to continue to play at a level that I think is going to keep him in the league for at least another four or five years, possibly, if he stays healthy. Could become at like the Frank, the Frank Gore of tight ends. Exactly. Just sticks Ex- around forever. Absolutely. Um, and then Jarrell Casey is, is sort of kind of that same way. But I think they're eventually, this year, after this season, they're going to move on from these guys because they want they want to insert Simmons and in, in, in another younger guy. They want to have that younger guy on the offensive side of the ball because John New Smith has talent. Yeah, um, the kick and flat out play. De- Delaney's cap hit this year six point three million. Next year eight point three million, but only a one point six million dollar dead cap hit mm-hmm. next year. Which, which I'm assuming that means if they cut him, they're saving themselves almost six six million yeah. and some change. And he will be thirty six years old going into next season. That, listen, the problem is, is he still seems like he's playing at yeah, a, at an extremely high level. Exactly, and that's the, the problem. Now Casey is a little different because he's only thirty years old. Still probably the best defensive lineman on the team. Still one of the be- most underrated players. Um, he has a salary cap hit of 
million next year, thirteen point eight in twenty twenty one, and then thirteen point eight. So he's due thirteen million dollars essentially in each of the next three years. Oh, they're not after, paying him that. Yeah, after this year. So I don't know when. Like that. That's still that's that's a lot of contract, and at, for a fairly young player to still consider. And the reason I wanted to bring this up because you've said this multiple times now, Derek mm-hmm. Jeffrey Simmons. Let's say hypothetically in a perfect world. He is back into rotation as soon as he's po- he's able to be, which is mm-hmm. against uh, the Chargers in Week 7. That gives you two games mm-hmm. to evaluate him before the trade deadline. And if they, my que- the reason I brought this up is, and again, this is radio land, so we mm-hmm. can speculate and we can kind of have fun with this. If you were to see what you need to see out of Jeffrey Simmons, mm-hmm. I'm not saying he's you know, playing every snap and he's productive yet, but that you see the upside and the potential, all the reasons you drafted him at 19 with the risk of injury. Mm-hmm. You've got two games to see what you need to see. Does that dictate to you that maybe you go try to acquire an offensive lineman with some other piece on your team, whether that's Daquan mm-hmm. Jones, whether that's Jarrell Casey, whether, you know, whatever that is. Now, I don't think they can win by trading J- Jarrell Casey this year. No, I, I don't think they can be a playoff team this year by trading Jarrell Casey. I don't think they get better. Now, if they trade Daquan Jones or somebody else along that front line and it allows them a depth piece along the offensive line that maybe helps because you think you've seen what you need to see out of Jeffrey Simmons, then I could see that being a thing that they do and still getting better this year. So that's the reason I bring that up is that they will have potentially, in a perfect world, a two-week evaluation of, of Jeffrey Simmons before the trade deadline, which then allows them to maybe make a move if they want. But would you trade Casey for an offensive lineman when you might have the sixth man in house already in Dennis Kelly? No, I wouldn't make that trade because then you got to work that offensive lineman in somehow, some way. As long as I got Dennis Kelly and he's healthy, then I, I figure I'm good. I, I just need if, if, if worst came to worst, I can insert Dennis Kelly somewhere. If there's, if there's, if there's any way he can play left guard, you got to put him in. So, I so think he can. I, I, I agree with that. But, but but the reason I would bring this up with Casey is that Casey would net you something along the lines of the Jimmy Graham deal for Max Unger, yeah. right? Like like you trade Jimmy Graham because you can get the best center in the NFL or one of the best centers mm-hmm. in the NFL. If you can t- trade Jarrell Casey and get one of the best centers in the NFL, all of a sudden he's plugged in. Like if you can go to Atlanta I, again, Alex Mack got hurt against the Titans, so let's take that out of the equation. Let's just say hypothetically you uh-huh. could trade Jarrell Casey and get Alex Mack. Ben Jones slides over to guard. And you feel a lot better about your team because now you've got a premier center. Like yeah. the, the the only reason you would consider it is if you were getting an elite player, right? Like an yeah, elite you, you level. You would have to lineman. get somebody to justify, you know, the trade of Jarrell Casey. Because I don't think you get um, better otherwise. Yeah, I, I think I don't think they make the move to trade either one of these guys. I think they just play the season out. But I think next year uh, they upgrade their offensive line somehow through the draft again, and. They upgrade their defensive line because, you know, but then they're going to have to make a decision, obviously, at quarterback. But I don't see no other position other than maybe defensive back that they have to get some more depth. Uh, I, I just think that because of the 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 money that is owed in the age of these certain players that the Titans are more inclined to, after this season, move on from both. It doesn't mean, again, people, it doesn't mean that I think – Jarrell Casey or or, or, or Delaney Walker will not continue to be productive in this league if they get traded. I think they will. Um, but looking at it from a business move, I think it would be it, – it's probably best if they kind of move on from both guys, especially with Jarrell Casey's cap hit. Move on from both guys 
and then let those younger guys start playing. Now, you know, you take a hit from a leadership standpoint because then Logan Ryan, again, are you going to – what are you going to do with Logan Ryan next year? So you're going to take a huge hit, and then you go, you got you got Cameron Wake. Are you going to keep him another year? So all your your veteran guys will be gone, eventually be gone. So you got to uh, take a hit. I just have a hard time believing that a guy like Jarrell Casey in year nine of his career – making $13 million starting in 2020 is going to net you something in return mm-hmm. on the offensive line that is of the utmost importance to the Titans in return, but that would also really deplete whoever that guy is protecting quarterback for said team. I mean, is anybody going to yeah, cut off their nose yeah, despite their face? Right. I don't think someone's going to give up well, that's why Alex, a commodity on offense on the offensive line to get Jarrell Casey. No, I mean, that. that's why, again, it, you'd have to view Casey as a three-year upgrade right and and maybe you feel better about your backup center i mean there's a lot Mm -hmm. of like it's trades that you have to give up something to get something right you know atlanta's out of it they could be firing their coach that could be a piece they could be looking to move right like that's again they're just an example um but if your move if you're considering and again the only reason i bring this up is because you could have a two-week evaluation of jeffrey simmons to know what you have a little bit you could also and and derek you're the one kind of saying this again not reporting this but just alluding to that this could happen that if you're gonna if you're not gonna have Casey and Walker next year, if that's in fact a thing, mm-hmm. then just like with Yossi, even if he's the captain, you have to consider making a move to get value back for a player that you think you're just gonna cut at the end of the year. Now Yossi's not gonna be cut or whatever. Yeah, yeah. Like I'm just saying, it, it, it has to be a part of your shrewd general managing equation. And if it's if there's a possibility that you are going to move on from Gerald Casey at the end of the year, I don't think that's gonna happen. Mm-hmm. Y- you have said it might happen. If that is even a thought in John Robinson's head, then he needs to kick the tires. Mm -hmm. Then he needs to go out there and say, all right, what can I find? Only if he feels like Jeffrey Simmons in in this little short window he's got to evaluate him is clearly the player he drafted. I think a lot is going to depend on, um, you know, Jeffrey Simmons and how he plays and what what they believe he will be after watching him play. Um, And I think they trust the younger guys that they have on that defensive line that we, you know, we kind of make fun of because of all the names and the rotations. But I think they feel confident with those guys um, as long as they have like a Jeffrey Simmons, you know, with them on that defensive line. And I think they – Oh, imagine how good the defense will be if he's healthy for the last six games. Holy cow. I think, again, they go into next year's draft. And if indeed they do not – if they say, you know what, we're just going to live with Nate Davis and we're going to try to get him to go on. Um, if that is indeed the case, because I, I, if they move on from Saffold after one year, that that, was, that is just, that's malpractice. I mean, someone needs to be fired. If indeed that's the case, if they move yeah. on from Saffold after one year, someone needs to be fired. Now, I'm not saying who, but I'm saying <laughs> someone. Well, I would say um, this. If this season goes south and they finish 7-9, and nine, I would trade Casey and or Walker for draft picks. And that's what I'm saying. I think they go, mm. I think this year, they go again with the defensive line. I think they try to get another stud at defensive line to pair him with Simmons because I don't think – I just don't think they bring Jarrell Casey back for 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 that price that he's at. Not to say that Jarrell Casey is, you know, he's done or he's this bad because he's not. I'm thinking of, I'm thinking about it from a from a from a uh, organizational standpoint. What do I? How do I move forward? How do I get younger on that defensive line? Well, how do I get younger? I release a guy, and you—we've seen it. Guys get released, and you're like, "Man, why did they release him?" Well, 
salary cap reasons. They want to get younger. And those guys kind of fall in that category. Not to say that they're playing bad, but they do fall in that category of salary cap and they're getting older. And we say, well, he's only 30. Well, 34 defensive line is, is getting up there. With with the 18th pick in the 2020 NFL Draft, the Titans select center out of the University of Wisconsin, Tyler Bidas, number one center in the draft right now. Uh, just a fantastic offensive line at Wisconsin. I would not be surprised. This is a great offensive line class coming mm-hmm. up in 2020, like studs everywhere. Uh, I would not be surprised if the Titans are going hard after the best center in the draft if, if they think Another he's Another Travis good. Frederick? I mean, that, again, that's exactly out of Wisconsin. So I, I, he is viewed as the top center. Garrett Bradbury has not mm-hmm. had a particularly great start to his rookie campaign. Um, you know, at NC State, the guy that, that mm-hmm. I think went the pick before, Jeffrey Simmons. So, uh, again, it, it, They've got a great defense, and adding Simmons only makes them even better. Mm-hmm. So it's going to be fantastic to watch. The question is, does that does, do you have enough pieces with Dennis Kelly as a backup, maybe sliding around? Can Nate Davis develop? Taylor Lewan certainly will get better as he continues to play more games. They so need to find some way to move up to that 10 spot, probably above that and get Brown. Man. Derek, no, you, Derek Brown? Yeah, you put Brown and Simmons together. But that would, that would oh, require man. you then to move on from Casey. Like I don't. I think they are. Yeah, yeah and that's your. That, listen, yeah. You, you're sticking to it. So, all right. Coming up next, it was a bad performance for Vanderbilt this past weekend in Ole Miss. They lost by 25 points. So they've got what should be an easier opponent this week in UNLV. We'll talk to the head coach Derek Mason coming up next on Morning Drive. Welcome back into Morning Drive, ESPN 102.5 The Game. Nick Braden, D. Mace, Marquise, Derek Mason, head coach of Vanderbilt, is going to join us. Coming up in just a moment as the Commodores are at home this weekend. A 14-point favorite against UNLV. Pair of 1-4 and four teams going at it. And the Vols, or excuse me, Vandy, of course, coming off that 31-6 loss last week at Ole Miss, which was not yeah, pretty. It's just, man, it's just been disappointing um, to watch this, this team. And I know we... We shall have Coach Mason in a minute. But it's just been disappointing uh, to watch this team play because we thought coming into the season this team would be much better than what they what we've seen. Now, Georgia, LSU, yeah. yeah we knew that were going to be a tough out for, right. the, for that team. We welcome in the head coach right now, Derek Mason of Vanderbilt. Coach, good morning. How are you? Hey, good morning. Uh, just getting to work. Let's go. All right, let's do it. So uh, we'll get to UNLV in just a moment. Uh, the performance last week, though, at Ole Miss was was a rough one, thirty-one to six. What did you see on tape this past week uh, that are areas of concern that you need to clean up for this week? Well, you know, offensively, uh, you know, I mean, it started with protection. I mean, it started with uh, you know, I mean, run game and protection. I mean, we 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 needed to be stout, you know, I mean, inside and and you know, I, mean, I thought Benito Jones did a good job. Uh, you know, man, versus you know our center of 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 you know, man, being disruptive. You know, when we put you know Sean McMore in, you know, man, Sean was able uh, to 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 do a much better job, and we were able to get some things going. Uh, you know, man, there. But you know, we we had we had uh, miscues. You know, man, up front in terms of you know run game and or protection. Uh, then then we get to the idea of. Of you know, man, not being very consistent in terms of you know, man, throw opportunities and 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 being able to you know uh, find targets and then defensively, uh, man, solid solid first half. Um, and in terms of being able to stay in that ball game, but 
poor tackling in the second half, you know, men let out let out some big runs. And, you know, when you look at it, I mean, it's all cumulative. I mean, it, it's a low here, a low there. And, you know, man, all of it leads to, uh, you know, man, a disappointing performance. But, you know, that's that's what you see. Uh, I mean, there were some incremental wins in there with, you know, man, special teams, you know, man, how we're kicking, how we're punting right now. But we just – we got to – we got to find a way to put it all together, and that's what we're doing now. Now, Coach, um, I want to kind of move past this game uh, yeah. that just happened. Um, obviously, you Riley Neal started off. Um, Deuce Wallace was able to get in there uh, with 16 attempts. Um, and, and, and yeah, my computer went off. 16 attempts. Um, how do you – what do you do now as a head coach? Do you do you look at it and say, okay, I want to get this young guy in more? Or do you go back to Riley Neal and say, okay, let him kind of work through whatever he's working through. And if we do need the younger quarterback, we can go back to him. Yeah, I, I think what you just – you know, man, spoke to is is really you know like the ideal. Uh, well, the, the 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 situation that's really at hand. We we've had to we've had to you know, man, sort of you know, man, tailor some things down, man, man, to try to you know, man, Riley's got you know, man, talent, but you know, man, we've we've got talented guys around him, and proficiency in the offense is where you need to be. You know, you 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 try to make sure, man, that you can you know like get your quarterback like in a position where he's comfortable. Um, but you know, obviously, you know when you have some protection issues and and or things happening, you know, I mean it's not always the quarterback's fault. Mm-hmm. But when 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 there's a clean pocket, when there's an opportunity, then you start to look at okay. Uh, you know, man, is he speeding up the footwork? Is he going through the progression? What does it look like? Is he finding the targets? And that's where, you know, man, for us, man, we got to be better. Uh, you know, man, what I've seen is this. I mean, what what, what I know is this. Uh, you know, if 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 Riley uh, can continue to 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 master what we do, great, man. But if not, then we, there's there's other options on the table because I think Deuce understands, you mean, what we do. He's been in the system. It's just that when you've looked at it and those guys have gone head-to-head, okay, man, Riley's done a better job. So, you know, with that, I mean, this is the week where we're getting a chance to get, you know, uh, you know a fair amount of snaps for both, you know, looking at, you know, I mean, exactly where we are. Riley, you know, is the starter. Deuce will probably play, you know, uh, you know fairly early in this ball game, and we'll, and, and we'll take a look at exactly what we have. Coach, you've obviously got great weapons on offense, and we've talked about them for for months and months and months now. Uh, how how do you balance sort of force feeding those weapons and 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 making sure, almost to a detriment, that that you get those guys the football, and, and then also knowing that they are they can be decoys and 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 really distract from defenses as well. How, how do you balance knowing you've got to feed your guys um, versus you know knowing when to to back off and go a different direction? Well, Keyshawn Vaughn's going to get his touches. I mean, uh, I, we we need more plays so he can get more touches because the more touches he gets, the better we are. You know, I mean, I, I need him to have, you know, man, anywhere between, you know, man, 20, 22 and 28 touches a ball game. You know, and, and, and when you're playing from behind, that's just not the case. So, I mean, we, we, we understand what's happening, you know, man, there. I look at, you know, man, Kalaja, you, you, can, you can work to build and get Kalaja um, in the ball, but we want to give him the ball downfield. I mean, like, in my opinion, you know, I mean, he's one of the best deep threats in this conference. And we, we've been able to get it to him very, very little, you know, down the field. It's been short passing game. And, you know, some of it has to do with protection, but some of it has to do with, you know, quarterback, footwork, read, timing, because everything's about timing, you know, like in this offense. And then the other piece, uh, you know, when you start talking about Pinckney, I mean, because of some of the, 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 the issues, again, with the protections and or, you know, I mean, quarterback going through the progression – 
it, it, it just hasn't worked out the way we needed it to. But that's that's got to change for us because the one thing about those three guys, and it's not the big three, but those three guys, okay, man, man can make can make a defense have to play. Uh, you know, man, everybody, because man, you can get attacked in the run, you can get attacked, you know, in the pass game, you know, out wide, uh, man, or down the field, and then you can open up the middle of the field. And you know, man, for 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 reasons that are starting to become apparent to us in terms of progressions and everything else, um, it, it hasn't transpired in terms of being able to take care of the middle of the field. Coach, you're a defensive guy by trade. Jason Tarver, formerly with the Raiders, your defensive coordinator. I noticed, you know, the last couple of weeks, uh, a lot of Vandy fans disappointed on the defensive side of the ball with the amount of points and yards given up. Uh, wh- what areas do you need to improve on to make that defense a little bit more, uh, a little more stout? Well, I mean, it starts with the idea, man, of of you know, man, schematically, are we putting guys in the right position? And when you, when, and and I, and I believe that. You know, man, that's that's what we're doing. Um, you know, I, I've I, I stated, you know, man, there are no excuses in this game, but we haven't played with the same, uh, you know, man, rotation of linebackers inside, you know, all year. So, you know, like when you don't have, you know, man, a, a steady rotation of guys playing inside, man, um, you're not seeing the same thing from week to week. So, so the cumulative reps that you get, okay, man, the crew reps that you're getting. Okay, I man, just aren't there. And and granted, you know, when teams are you know like giving you multiple looks from counter to power to split zone to you know uh, 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 just 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 pure outside zone, you're trying to get those guys to to actually stay in their spots, be in their spots, trying to take uh, uh, you know what 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 they've learned and trying to apply it. And I I think that's been big because when you look at it, our safeties right now are almost our leading tacklers. That's not what you want. You know, I mean, I, it starts up front. You got to get penetration, but I think, you know, with that, you know, I mean, we just got to be better at the outside and inside backer positions. And and you know, with that said, you know, I mean, those those redshirt freshmen, you know, I men back there, you know, on the back end, and uh, you know, I mean, have, have, have played solid. I mean, I just don't want their tackle quotient to be that high. But you know, we 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 got a lot of things to fix. Uh, you know, like in my opinion, I mean, we're working towards it. Uh, this week is an, another opportunity versus UNLV, but we're not going to make excuses, man. We're going to let them play football. Uh, yeah, you're absolutely right, Coach. Um, you, you talked a little about um, you know the missed tackles and, yeah. and and trying to get better in that area. What can you do as a coach? Because once the season gets going, it's kind of hard to kind of work on those things uh, specifically um, each and every practice because you got a game plan for the team that you're facing that week. But is there anything that you feel you can do or Tarver can do to kind of rectify um, the tackling problem? Yeah, I, <laughs> I think it goes back to, you know, we, 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 we weren't talking about tackling early in the season. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and and again, as we've had to play, you know, other guys, as we've had to get a little deeper into the rotation, okay, man, you're talking about guys that, that, that haven't had the cumulative reps, you know, man, in terms of what it looks like. So it's, it's on-the-job training, mm-hmm. uh, you know, like for those guys. So, uh, you know, when you talk about tackling, I'm, I'm asking these guys to be greedy about, you know, man, uh, like seizing the opportunity. You can't take an hour of practice and just go tackling individuals. Mm-hmm. You just can't do it. I mean, there's no time for it. So what you have to do um, on every rep in practice is populate to the ball, work same foot, same shoulder, and seize every opportunity that, that, that you're attacking a ball carries, whether it's a, a slice tackle, an angle tackle, uh, a profile tackle. You've got to use those you know, opportunities in practice, even if you're just going palms up to put yourself in a hip position. If you can do that, 
well then that that's that's more than enough because that's better than individual because it's game like reps coach we always appreciate the time and the insight best of luck this week against unlv and we'll chat again next wednesday Thank you. You got it. Thanks, Coach. Coach Derek Mason with us. I I feel like that's a locker room right now that Mm -hmm. just really needs success. Yeah. That's a locker room that needs to find its footing. You get a W against UNLV. You feel very differently from a confidence standpoint going into the last half of the season. That's a group of guys that needs a a, a win pretty pretty badly. You're absolutely right. I mean, this is a team that coming into the season, they thought that, you know, with with Kalaja, Pinkney, and, and and Keyshawn, that they would have more success um, doing some things um, offensively, and it just hadn't been that way. Um, and how do you how do you kind of you know get over that? I don't know, but like you said, it it starts this week. They need to win desperately, uh, and it might change you know the the fortune or the outlook at, at how Vandy approaches games moving forward. Don't forget, coming up today on ESPN 94.9 Game 2, we've got a pair of NLDS Game 5s. The Braves and the Cardinals today. Coverage starts at 3.30 on 94.9 Game 2, and that'll lead you right into the Nationals and the Dodgers as we get closer and closer to the LCSs. You're not even interested, man. The DSs do nothing for me. This is, but these are these are games. DSs. These are quote unquote. Take that how you will. These are quote unquote Game Seven. Right, these are games. Game fives in the first round are game sevens. This yeah. is winner take all in three series. Is 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 that's good stuff, and listen, man. Tell me mm-hmm. when the World Series is at game seven. Oh, and you I watch. guys, man, you bums. Even if it gets no, to game I mean, seven. look, you give me Bra- you, you give me Braves, Dodgers in, in the National League. You give me Yankees, Astros. I'm in for every single game. Why not Cardinals? Well, tell me when the Tigers get in the uh, World well, let me, Series. Let me let me let me take a look at the line. Let me see what some of the numbers are here. Well, game five's <laughs> in Atlanta. I, I mean, if I gamble on the game today, I'll watch every pitch. Well, right, that's what you told me earlier. Just can. Just put ten dollars down on all three games so that you'll watch it. I, I'm, right. I'm, listen, I will. I, you know, I'm, I will. I'm like you. I I love baseball growing up, and I've not watched a lot of baseball this year. But I am now all in because it's playoffs, and I just it's just fun. It's a different level. You, you know what's tough for me though is when you have these games. And granted, mm-hmm. we're lucky enough. We we do we do a show where we work and we're home for the rest of the day. Mm-hmm. But a lot of people can't watch an NLDS game that starts at three thirty seven. Did they do that? Well, it's, it's only because there was a bunch of extra. There, there's extra games on, like, like, to, like. There's three different games. Now there was four games on Monday. One of those was right. a day game, right? And that and that only happens a couple of times. Like it's it's generally it's like a four o'clock start and a and a seven o'clock start. But you're killing your audience. I mean, you, it's like you're killing your sport because no one, everyone's at work. Yeah, no, or I, getting tr- off of work. Trust me, I understand. I just there's not a way to. It, first of all, I like younger start times for sports so the kids can watch. Yeah. I mean that that's my biggest fa- problem with baseball is. You know, a game that starts at 9 p.m. Eastern time is it, no. It's kids can't watch that. If you're if you're a fan of that team, you can't stay up and watch that. So I, I don't mind a a 3:30. You know, you you can get home by four o'clock to watch your favorite team with your son or your daughter or whatever. Like you you can you can do that if it's just an hour, and then the next game starts at seven. Then you get to watch two games instead of trying to. Most people don't have two TV setups like you and me, Nick. <laughs> Most people aren't sick and twisted like that. All right, coming up next, we will wrap up the first half of the show. A little college football discussion coming off of head coach Derek Mason. Uh, a thought for Knoxville. We're back after this. Welcome back into Morning Drive, ESPN 1025 game. A little ACDC for you. A little rock and roll train. What is this, Darren, Donick, and Chase? Uh, this should be the halftime show of the Super Bowl. I wouldn't object. Good stuff. No, I want to hear Hips Don't Lie and... I'm real with Ja Rule and J-Lo. 
Speaking of putting it on people, uh, Ben Simmons put it on some uh, people last night. No, first we're career not three. Talking about this, we are oh, not. Yeah. I, yes, we, we are. are not talking about this. Yes, we are. Ben no Simmons one cares. His first three pointer ever. No, no, it didn't. It's a preseason game. Doesn't count. Well, he he's drained 0, it. I checked his numbers just now. He's zero for seventeen from behind the arc all time. Well, he's one for. You know, the, the, the audacity of this guy to say that that doesn't matter and that doesn't Nobody count. Cares. Nobody yet, cares. Yet forty minutes ago, cares. He's sitting here talking about Taj Gibson being a factor for the Knicks. Exactly. Uh, <laughs> yeah, are you kidding me? Not on the radio. <laughs> Unbelievable. That was, that was in private. Uh, the temerity man. of this man. In private, I think the Knicks strategy is better than people think. On the air, <laughs> James Dolan sucks. All right. Let's get it right. I already exactly. told you. I already told you guys what to do. Buy James Dolan's album. Let him win a Grammy. He'll quit. He'll sell the Knicks, and then he'll become a big <laughs> artist. That's that's all you got to do. The Knicks could be better than people think this year. Shh. But I only say that normally in private. Now nope. you're making me do it on the air. So no ben, one cares about these stupid Ben Simmons preseason threes. I do. <laughs> Clearly, everybody Love else does. Ben Simmons. Love Ben Simmons. I think he's a hell of a player, but nah. he's zero for seventeen all time in his career from behind the arc. Which means he's only attempted he's 17 and within three years, which is pretty trend. Technically, it's only two years, really, because he didn't play. Mm-hmm. Yeah, But either way, that's not good. You know what also is not good is the vibe I'm getting for Saturday night in Knoxville. Or, excuse me, Saturday morning, because it'll be a 12 o'clock, centri- uh, 12 o'clock Eastern, 11 o'clock Central kick. Hmm. Joe Moorhead said yesterday, I'm undecided on quarterback. Could be Stevens, could be Schrader. Jeremy Pruitt, two days ago, said... Brian Maurer will start if he has a good week of practice. So we're going to have two teams, possibly four quarterbacks. Uh, if you're a Vols fan, I would expect an ugly football game on Saturday. I, possibly ugly. I think I like Tennessee in the points. Okay. Um, I, I think if they, if they play the way they did in the first half against Georgia and they come out like that again against Mississippi State, I, I think they can win the game, and I think I think they can look good doing it. it it's I don't think Mississippi State's program is in as good a shape as we thought in the preseason. And, you know, Tommy Stevens gets hurt. He's turning the ball over, so they don't know what they're going to do at quarterback. You know, defensively, they just got torched by Bo Nix. Um, they are not that, – that program is also teetering on the brink as well. So I, it's it, – we talked about this in the summer. This is a mm-hmm. massive game for two second-year coaches in the SEC to sort of determine the path, that, that, like the narrative around their, their tenures. If Joe Moorhead goes up there and wins, I think Mississippi State fans feel, okay, you know what, it's a rebuilding year after we lost a bunch of studs on defense and Nick Fitzgerald, and, uh, but, but, but he's keeping our heads above water. If they go up there and lose, fans in Knoxville are ecstatic about a W finally, um, but Mississippi State fans are, are, are pretty they're, – they're kind of left wondering what to, to think about their program. So it's a huge game for both coaches. I think Tennessee will play much better. Um, than people think. I, I don't like the point spread there for mm. Mississippi State. I like it if I'm if I'm a better. I'm taking the Vols and the points. If they like you said, if somehow some way Pruitt got that team to come out and play inspired football for half, and maybe it was because of the new new quarterback. I don't know, but he got that team to play inspired football. He, he threw the ball confidently and yeah. like with conviction. Yeah. It might have cost him in the second half, but he was pretty good in the first half. But he did. He threw the ball. He didn't hold back. Um, and then eventually Georgia did what Georgia does to many teams, and they just swarm you and like a bow constrictor, just tighten, 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 and then you're dead. Um, that's what happened to to the to the Vols. Um, if they can come out that way, then I think this would be one of those uh, wins that that 
that we will look at and say, you know what, this is what this Vol team can be um, because it would have been against um, an SEC opponent. Uh, but if he lose this game, then, you know, we are now even more um, questioning whether Jeremy Pruitt is the guy because this team, how can you play like that against Georgia in the first half and then yeah. come in and lose right. at home to Mississippi but, but State? Think, think about what you just said, though. I, I think they're going to come out and play inspired football. We're, we're a year and a half into a guy's tenure, and we think that the team will be playing at a level of inspiration that should be – should be obvious every single week. Like, yeah, I mean, like I'm beyond no, the right. like I'm beyond the um, the inspiration point. I'm yeah. at the point of like, can I get some execution? Yeah, I mean, in part of your job as a coach is not to inspire your team to get up every now and then. Mm-hmm. It's to have the team up every single weekend. I mean that that you're absolutely right, Nick. So, but you also have to evaluate. You know, our job is to sort of objectively look at the situation and. Uh, again, let's just say Mississippi State is the – let's say they're the 50th best team in the country. I think CBS has them at mm-hmm. 51. I think Athlon's got them at like in, in the mid-50s. They're, not a t- they're barely a top 50 team, if that. And you're a six-and-a-half-point underdog at home to a team that's barely a top 50 team. That, that is where this program is. So it, t- I think you're right, Nick. It, it shouldn't be evaluated this way. But this is where the program is. The program is now evaluated on – Man, do they play over their heads, and can they be extra motivated and and inspired and get up for a game at home against the 51st best team in the nation? I mean, that's where we are, and so it, it is what it is. You can't do anything about that other than go to work every day, and you know if that leads to two or three Ws in the SEC, I think you'll view this season at least salvageable. Like, you will have salvaged the season if you can beat South Carolina, beat Vanderbilt, you know, beat Mississippi State, and you get three SEC wins. I think you can salvage the year if you're Jeremy Pruitt and you can say, look, we made progress, we got better, go out and you know just absolutely dominate on the recruiting trail and then come into year three with hopefully some semblance of momentum. That's the best case. That's the best case scenario. Oh, we salvaged the year and we're going to do good in recruiting. Like That's the best case scenario for Tennessee fans right now. Uh, well, silly underdogs are back for another week, so if you want to make your picks, just jump on thegamenashville.com or play on the ESPN Game Nashville mobile app today. Make your picks for the three college football underdogs that you think will win outright on this Saturday. Weekly winners will get a pair of tickets to an upcoming Nashville, uh, Nashville sporting event or concert. Silly Underdog Picks is brought to you by the Volunteer Hose and Gasket. Real quickly, too, did you guys see... The, the CBS game this week is, uh-huh. a, is Alabama A&M, uh-huh. which Bama's like a 17-point road favorite. I'm surprised CBS, and I guess maybe at the beginning of the year, they thought this would be a better game than Florida LSU. Florida LSU is going to be the Herb yeah. Street night game on ESPN. Yeah, and, and I they, well, does that go ABC or does that go ESPN? Either either way. But it's um, Herb Street right. the game day people. Um, uh, listen, that LSU might be a blowout, too. They're a 14-point yeah. favorite, so it's not like one game is necessarily closer. The other one just looks better on paper. Um, I, I am interested in the Alabama matchup, though, because Kellen Mond can make plays. Alabama's defense has given up chunk yards. D- A&M's got a decent defensive line. Alabama has struggled to run the football to their standards. So I'd like to see what those two things look like for Alabama. We, we know Tua and the receiving core is great. We, we know that. But how well do they play on defense against Kellen Mond, and how well do they run the football against the solid defensive line for A&M? Those are sort of the two air two areas that are quote unquote cracks in the armor for Alabama. Uh, that's what I want to keep an eye on this weekend. You're on the road, hostile environment, and those two things could be challenged. How well do you perform in those two areas? They've just been a disappointment. Texas A&M, a big disappointment. And maybe 
you know, and, and, still and ranked, I've heard, by the way. Yeah, and I've heard you, you know, say this: the 2020 is the year that they're looking toward. Penn State, Texas A&M, and the Natty, baby. But they just it's calling just it now. A, calling it now. Ten, Texas A&M and Penn State. <laughs> it's been 20, a disappointment. 2021 national championships. Oh wow. Man, Fisher and Franklin. Well, Could you imagine? That is real. That is early, early, early. <laughs> well, twenty twenty. Technically, it's a twenty twenty prediction, uh, but the game will happen technically in twenty twenty one. I'm wow, just telling so you right you're now. Calling out Penn A&M, State, Penn State. Yep. I'm gonna start. Let's yeah. start working on a line. Got some futures for me. Start setting some numbers Even here. Even with <laughs> uh, it's, 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 Trevor Lawrence still being, it's in. Texas A&M minus two and a half. Oh, all right, all right. <laughs> I like it. All right, coming up next, we'll kick off hour number three. It was a really good night in sports here locally for Tuesday on the ice, on the pitch, and around Major League Baseball. We're back after this on Morning Drive.